Ana Bianco, give me a name. Uh, the Pharaoh Ramses III. Welcome to Give Me a Name, where a guest presents me, Ben Kirschenbaum, with a dead historical figure they find interesting, and we discuss. Fun fact, Upper Egypt is actually in the south, and Lower Egypt is in the north, because the Nile River runs from south to north. I guess it's less a fun fact and more the most interesting thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I always do the pause. Sometimes I feel like I should do the pause for the entire length of the music intro oh, and the whole thing. I forgot that there is music. <laughs> this was a this I would be a it tough in my start head after I say it. <laughs> That's really funny. So this is I, I want to say this is the record for the oldest, most ancient topic. Yeah, this is a pretty groundbreaking episode. Of Give this me a is name. Far back. It's it pretty much is it so Ramses the Third's reign. 1186 to 1155 BC. So this beats Cleopatra, the previous record holder, by like a thousand years. Oh, I didn't know you'd done Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. With uh, Zubi Ahmed. Okay. Fun episode. Have a listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, was a good, it was a good plug. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so Ramses the Third. First thing that we should probably say, not Ramses the Second. Yes. Uh, big distinction. Though he did model himself off of Ramses the Second because in his eyes... Ramses II was the most successful pharaoh in recent memory. You know, successful being, depends on which side of the road you're on. <laughs> and I also read, so Ramses II, I always thought was the pharaoh from the Exodus story from mm -hmm. Passover. Mm -hmm. But I was reading up on it. It sounds like there's no real proof of that. Yeah, I think it's consensus based on very little information. Right. Uh, and it does, it kind of seems like in the historical records that I've read, there are a couple incidences that could be Exodus. Mm, yeah, like there yeah, have yeah. been several large migrations of Hebrew tribes. Okay. Yeah, that they mentioned Israelites like around that time. But anyway, we're talking about Ramses II. So we want, today we're talking about Ramses yes. III. Yes. Who is the last kind of great pharaoh of Egypt. Mm -hmm. The, what's called the 20th dynasty, which is part of the New Kingdom, which the New Kingdom... 1550 BC to around 1069 BC, that's kind of Egypt prime. That's like their prime. Yeah, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around because Egypt is just so old. Like when I think of famous pharaohs, I think of like Thutmose or Tutmose. I think of Hatshepsut. But then we're going back like a thousand years still. Right. It's the history is so long. I think that for New Kingdom, I did just, you know, it's like a 500 year period. So it's like mm -hmm. really long. Mm -hmm. But King Tut's in there. How do I pronounce it? Hatshep, Hat, I say Hatshepsut. Hatshepsut. Yeah. So a lot of the big, I mean, but like you said, Egypt, the civilization is like 3,500 BC or so, something <laughs> ridiculous. But Ramses III, kind of the end of an era or at least the transition period. Yes. And his life is definitely interesting. Yes. And I think we, we think of him as one of the last great pharaohs in part because he had such a long reign. But he's coming out of a pretty disorganized time in Egypt. It's a little bit hard to tell because ancient Egyptians do this thing where they will just scratch people out of history if they don't like them. Uh, so it's confusing if his father essentially usurped the throne to start the 20th dynasty hmm. or if he was considered the best option. But what we know is there was like a civil war right before his father took control. His father only ruled for maybe three years. Some things say four, some things say two, but that's probably because the first year overlapped a little bit with the 
pharaoh before who was a female pharaoh, a girl boss. But it means that there was so much turmoil before Ramses the Third that it was almost it was set up for a strong ruler. Hmm. They needed someone to consolidate. And Egypt. I find the right because, like, obviously, when you're talking about stuff this long ago, you're the archaeology is you're not going to get a totally full picture. I mean, people dedicate their lives mm-hmm. to figuring out exactly what happened. But like you said, you hear and see a very, very specific side of the story. Yeah, because it's just what they chose to, pre- the, what the winners chose to preserve. Mm. The other issue with reading about ancient Egypt is you kind of have to look at what year the publication you're reading was written because it changes so quickly. Like even the story we're going to tell of Ramses III today has changed in the last five years. Mm since they started really investigating the mummy. Which is insane, because we're 3,000 years after this whole thing happened. Yeah, totally. And then they also, they're finding new stuff. There are still tombs that haven't been fully excavated. There's tombs that have been lost. So, especially with this, in Rome it's called Demnatio Memoriae, this idea of erasing somebody from history who you don't like. They never get everything. They don't go back into the tombs to remove stuff usually. So that's where you start to see conflicting stories and you find out what actually happened generally. Or, yeah, erasing history or having a guy that you do like and erasing the bad parts. Yes, yes. Which I think is kind of the case in Ramses Third because he's got this famous mortuary where it kind of just says all of his great military victories and all this stuff mm-hmm. and not the negatives of his rule, which we kind of know about now. Yeah, and it happens. It's his tomb. Yeah, or, right. Or would have been his tomb. Which... So he's probably designed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's probably designed. <laughs> that was. It's like, yeah, I was kind of a dick, just on the wall. <laughs> but he is like a great sort of warrior pharaoh. He fights off the sea people, mm-hmm. who C S C A. We still don't really know who they were exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's people from the Mediterranean is about as specific as anybody wants to get. There are a couple hypotheses about what tribes of people they might have been at one point, but probably it was a combination of a couple different groups. And he fights them off. He fights off the Libyans a couple times. Mm-hmm. And some of these are naval battles, which Egypt is like not known for a great navy, but he is, you know, amazing and <laughs> figures yeah. it out. Yeah, it seems like nobody... So the Sea Peoples had kind of been working their way through Bronze Age civilizations around the Mediterranean for a while. And in general, they pretty much won everything. There are some scholars who say they wanted to rule Egypt. Probably not true. They just wanted to like take stuff and leave. But Ramses was one of the few people who was actually ready for the attack. It seems so obvious to us now, but he just shot a lot of arrows at them. Oh, which I guess nobody had. Yeah, nobody had (laughs) thought of that before. Uh, There's definitely more complexity here. This is kind of what he wrote down. But he shot a bunch of arrows at them. He pulled their ships in. He had one land battle, one sea battle, and it's a decisive victory. But they didn't write down how many people died really it's probably inaccurate it's so it's very similar to what's happening in like russia and ukraine right now we're getting the state media version of the casualties Mm. and we know the casualties were significant because there's kind of a hole in the egyptian economy after this so they lost a lot of craftsmen right so the first half of his reign is filled with these like triumphant military victories Mm -hmm. and then the second half are kind of the consequences economic consequences of the whole thing yeah because when like military victory that is a big thing for an ancient ruler but there are two kinds of military victory there's a military victory where you're defending yourself which is what he was doing and then there's the kind that they 
tended to use more economically where you go into a place and you loot it. So he had one of those also where he basically just like went out on an expedition, stole a bunch of stuff, came back. But that loot, he was having a lot of trouble with corrupt officials. Essentially, all the money he made was going to the wrong places. So he was never building up a treasury. And then the famous culmination of the economic troubles is the first labor strike in history, in recorded history. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of sweet when you read about it now because it's these laborers who are working in the necropolis. So they're working in the Valley of the Kings. And that means these are some of the most valued workers in Egypt. It's something that comes up a lot for Ramses III. He's almost too focused. And for a lot of Egyptian rulers, they're so focused on their afterlife. Yeah. That they lose stuff in their rule. So he's spending so much money building these tombs. And there's extra stress put on them because a big festival is coming up. We'll get into that later. And essentially, he's not paying the workers. They're getting paid a month late, a couple weeks late. It happens again and again and again. And the pharaoh's whole role is balance. It's called, it's M-A apostrophe A-T, ma'at. I've also heard it pronounced marat, but that seems insane. And this idea of balance is, in the abstract, just balance. Everything should be in order. But in more concrete terms, the pharaoh is responsible for making sure everybody gets what they need according to their station. So the fact that these workers are not being paid means that the pharaoh has failed in his job. They're not getting what they need according to their station. So they decide that they're going to march down and hold a sit-in. Oh, like a legit, like, yeah. They like just sit down and nobody's sure what to do about it. They're in one of the temples because balance is off and they have no way to fix that so they brought them pastries like a snack it's in the all the text i've read it's like it's literally pastries and then all the workers go home but they come back the next day sure after a sweet treat yes (laughs) they're like we would like another pastry please (laughs) and this happens on and off for three years because they'll find the money to pay them but then they'll be late again the next month Right. But then you just throw in a eclair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, the problem is, I think this kind of speaks to that there are issues that weren't written down. Someone at some point should have been able to go to a higher ranking official and say, we're not getting the money to pay these workers. But they couldn't because they would be executed because they're not doing their job, which is paying the workers. Oh, catch 22. Yeah. So ancient Egypt at this point has this like really bloated bureaucracy where the stakes are quite high for mistakes. So it just keeps going again and again. And yeah, we'll definitely see the idea of like punishments and the judicial system when it comes to Ramses III's death. Yes. One thing that I thought was interesting talking about the economic turmoil is there seemed to be like a shortage of crops, specifically grain. Yes. And I read that it's possible that one of the causes of this was a volcanic eruption in Iceland yeah, that had ramifications throughout the world. And this is like late Bronze Age. Like a lot of civilizations are collapsing right now. Yeah. And maybe that played a role in it. That's again this idea of balance. The pharaoh needs to be feeding his people. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a shortage of food, that goes to the pharaoh. That's the pharaoh's fault. But also grain was in some ways currency at this point in time. Like taxation was through grain. 
And taxation levels don't change. There's not a great mechanism for adjusting according to the harvest. So he's going to take what he's going to take, and there might not be enough for the people. And then there's also the fact that the pharaoh is kind of considered a god. Yeah. So that makes sense that he everything's his fault, even yeah. nature. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's the flip side of absolute power. Like if you have absolute power, but then things are outside of your control, you lose your power. Yeah, so it's all on you. The other theory is it's possible that so many people died in his wars against the sea peoples that there were less people to farm. So all of this is like compounding. Got it. So not to jump, this is definitely an episode where we're going to probably jump to the death quicker than most, (laughs) but the economic turmoil, the idea that things aren't going great after, I mean, this is, I said the dates before, it's a very long reign. I mean, it's second probably only to Ramses II, who ran, Ramses II was like a Queen Elizabeth story. Ramses II, I think was like 91 or something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and one interesting thing about that is it's almost a problem in ancient Egypt to live that long because Ramses II outlived 12 crown princes. Like he picked 12 successors and they just kept dying because he was so old. Right, he outlives Um, his kids and then by the time that he dies... The kid, it's a Prince Charles, th- like the kid's already like, you know, yeah. 105 when he d- assumes the throne. And like, that's how the s- lines of succession get so messed up after him. Nobody really rules for very long until you get to Tusret. I think that's how you say her name. She's the final pharaoh of the 19th dynasty. She makes it maybe two years, part of which is consumed by the civil war that Ramses III's father wins. And Ramses has a similar issue. He's now living so long that he has a lot of heirs and he's outliving presumably many of them. Right. Which is always a, you know, <laughs> the, the thing. you live too long and people start blaming you for stuff. Yeah. And that is part of the stresses that he put on his kingdom. So once you've ruled for 30 years in ancient Egypt, you have to have this ritual called Hebsed or the said Jubilee is like the English version of it. It's a celebration But it's also a renewal of your strength because there's this idea that, okay, you're getting older now. You don't have the same degree of control that you did when you were younger. And it's all it's all very ritualized. It's this idea of like gathering strength from the corners of your kingdom. You're doing you're running a circle. And then everybody in Egypt feasts as a way of celebrating the pharaoh. But that means you have to pay for a feast for everybody in Egypt and a pretty nice feast. Like not everybody's going to be eating beef. That's for the nobility, but everybody gets poultry of some sort. And that's more expensive than what he would usually be spending. And that's putting a lot of pressure. Sure. Everyone gets a plus one. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say everybody in Egypt, it's probably all of the people considered citizens in Egypt. There's always a lot of gray area in terms of what ancient Egyptians consider people which is suboptimal and also leads to a lot of the record issues that we're going to see in a little bit. So Ramses III is, was it this party or this ceremony that it happens or he's celebrating something? Oh, yes. So the said Jubilee was in the, I believe the year or two years before his death. These dates get a little bit murky. Sure. Uh, The ceremony he was celebrating was the Feast of the Beautiful Valley, which ironically is... Mm, it's a little bit similar to like a Day of the Dead celebration insofar as it's a moment where you are supposed to get close to the dead, but it's also a moment for the Pharaoh to strengthen his relationship with the gods. So there are offerings, but there's also a lot of ritual 
and it's him as the religious leader of his family. So he's like very busy in this moment. Oh, it's like Halloween. This is this episode's coming out like Halloween. Oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, it is. Yeah, it's it's basically <laughs> okay. Halloween. Great. So there's a okay. So Ramses the third. Maybe the most famous thing about him is his death. Yes. And the elaborate plot to kill him and to put a successor that was not his chosen successor on the throne. Yes. So we know at some point in these years preceding his death, one of his wives becomes discontent. Her name is written down as T. That's probably not her real name. It's T-I-Y-E. It's a pseudonym used in the writings about her. But she wants her son to be the next pharaoh. Now, when I say wives, he's got a ton of wives. Do, do, you, want, do you have any thoughts on the wives? Uh, well, he's got that, like a whole- that seems like I thought I wanted you to rank them. Which one do you think is the hottest <laughs> <Right>. one? <laughs> the real housewives of Hepset. He's got like a whole harem. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's got and a harem. And then there's like the main wives and then mm-hmm. there's the lower wives. Mm-hmm. And there's a big debate about where T was in this hierarchy. Yes. So when the pharaoh marries... Some of them are going to be ancient Egyptian nobility. So they're very high-ranking people, often his siblings, very closely related. And those will be, the closer they are to him, the more likely they are to be one of his great wives. Mm -hmm. These are the highest-ranked wives. Their sons will be the highest-ranked. But pharaohs can also have, like, dozens of other wives. Not all of those will be romantic relationships. So... Some of them will just be like the daughters of neighboring kingdoms. Some of them will be the daughters of other, I don't know what the word will be for it, provinces, districts that are under Egypt's control. Because Egypt at this time was very fractured. Ramsey's father was actually one of the, he was a a big reunification pharaoh. He brought a lot of Egypt back under Egyptian control and pharaoh control. So you have all of these women And they don't live with Ramses. They're not just like hanging out with him or seeing him on a regular basis. They live in an entirely different building. They have like their own house of the harem. So it's isolated and intensely competitive because they're all having children, which is just a horror story in ancient Egypt. Like what what a nightmare. And they all want their kids to have as much as possible. There is a little bit of a reality TV, like a little bit of a bachelor type thing where they're all living in the house together mm-hmm. and rivals with each other there are stories of yeah and it's hard to tell what of this isn't is made up and what's real but there are stories of like women killing other women's children mm. which like people were just dropping left and right in ancient egypt so it's like oh another one died who knows uh but there are stories of people killing other people's children the children would live with the harem for long periods of time so it's like kind of a dangerous environment for them yeah it was very intense so t concocts we don't know if she was the leader of the conspiracy. Yes, it's hard to tell because when we're saying ancient Egyptian conception of like personhood, women are not on the same level as men. So when you read the documentation of what happened, they don't think of women as independently responsible of things. They think of men as responsible for motivating women. Mm. What's weird about this is the fact that her name is even mentioned you can multiply that in importance it means that she did something and to get to our main source <laughs> for the account of Ramsey's death it is a papyrus the papyrus <laughs> of Turin yeah I yeah I say Turin but Turin. Ugh, I don't know and it's a weird di- it's not long <laughs> it starts out 
with Ramses the Third talking, mm-hmm. which is like a very like Shakespearean Hamlety thing, right? Because yeah. he's dead. Yeah. And this is part of what has changed a lot in the last five years. So when this papyrus was initially translated, people believed that Ramses had survived an assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. And Ramses' mummy has been found. And it's sort of an archetypally perfectly preserved mummy. Isn't it the mummy that's like the inspiration for a lot of early Hollywood movies? I believe it's the mummy. It's the, yeah, right. Yeah. It's the, this is the this is the mummy of all mummies. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, really gets sure. a second life as a star. Yeah. Uh, but since it was like so beautifully preserved, there was a sense of nothing could have happened to this. It's intact. He could have, he could not have been attacked. Then they scanned the mummy and they unwrapped it. And they realized, oh, something went terribly wrong here. And by scan, this is like recent. Yes. And so it seems like it's a preserved mummy. Mm-hmm. But what we find out later is that there is a huge neck wound yeah. that no one could have survived. I'm laughing because there is, there were some people who were like, he, prob- he probably made it through that. And then <laughs> and it, when you say huge neck wound, it severed his esophagus and touched his spinal cord. Yeah, not good. Yeah. yeah. And it's pro- that's presumably a knife injury. The reason why no one caught on to that is because it's filled with like amulets. Yeah, they, there's this idea that even if you're injured in your life, you can heal in the afterlife. So there's an amulet in his throat that's supposed to promote healing. And that's just part of the larger thing of like, as you said before, death is mm-hmm. you go to the afterlife, you're judged by Osiris. Yeah. Who weighs the, the I mean, I'm... I'm doing the very basic part but he weighs your heart against a feather Mm -hmm. yeah this is like hard to talk about because it does change so much even dynasty to dynasty like osiris has other names uh, like that changes throughout time so i i believe that is accurate at some point i'm I'm honestly not sure what it was at this point yeah so uh, but just generally speaking the Mm -hmm. idea of preserving the i mean there's a reason why mummies why they mummified yeah totally in order just to preserve the body as best Mm -hmm. as possible. Then the other thing, in addition to the severe neck wound, is that his toe, his big toe, Mm -hmm. was chopped off. Yes, with an axe, they believe. But they didn't realize because a prosthetic toe had been applied to the mummy. Again, to make him look good for Osiris or whatever the (laughs) god's name (laughs) was. He wanted to look cute for the afterlife. (laughs) They did some work. He was ready. So the papyrus is an account of basically the trial. Yes, of the people who organized the death of the pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, a lot makes you responsible for the death. The, the people who are tried in this are, in general, not the active murderers. We, we're pretty clear on who the murderers were. The people tried include the murderers, but they're also anybody who knew about it. And didn't do anything. Yes, so some of them are people who tried to participate in the murder. Like there's a steward called Pebekamen who tried to do, they call it magic with wax figures. Uh-huh. My understanding is it's similar to the kind of pop culture version of voodoo where you have something that's a representation of a person. You can harm that. That did shockingly did not work. Uh, <laughs> he, he survived that attempt. There were also some poisoning attempts. But it seems like a lot of his stewards were on board with this. There are people who were called butlers. Pebekaman was the keeper of the chamber. That's like a steward. And then some soldiers, surprisingly. There's a guy who's referred to as an archer. He's a brother of one of the women in the harem. So while the 
presentation of this is as if it's like a few bad people. It's so widespread across a lot of classes and status that there were probably issues. So they're put on trial <laughs> and it seems like the two main punishments mm-hmm. were death, mm-hmm. which I think they light them on fire. It's a kind of pick your poison. So yeah. if the worst punishment is to be lit on fire, you know, for the obvious reason, but right. also if you don't have a body to go with you to the afterlife, that's it. That's bad. Yes. You're, well, you don't go to the afterlife. That's mm-hmm. true death. It's just, right. It's nothingness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were lucky, you were permitted to commit suicide. Right. Which, Poison, I assume. Hanging. Oh, hanging. Okay. Uh, I think po- it, we don't really know. Yeah, yeah. But based on the mummy of one of the people involved, they found mm, creases in his neck and then swelling in his chest. So that indicates hanging. And one of the people who committed suicide mm-hmm. was Pentaware. Yes. Was T's son, who T presumably wanted to become the next pharaoh. Yes. So Pentuar is the son of T. This is one of the very frustrating parts of this. We don't know anything about him because, you know, it's it's bad to kill someone. So presumably they're the villains of this. But the fact that so many people were on board with it and that so many members of the harem were willing to support one person's claim who wasn't their kid probably he was like oh, not a nice guy <laughs> or a good a good potential heir in some way or there was a problem with the actual heir regardless he was permitted to commit suicide and we know that because we found his mummy we not me i, I did not participate in this at all uh, modern modern egypt modern exploration has found his mummy and it's called the screaming mummy have you? Did you see this? I did see the photo, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. It's no, a, the, <laughs> you, I would encourage you to look it up if you have, I don't know, an interest in these things, but... And the location of the Screaming Mummy is surprising. Yes. So all the mummies, most of the mummies that we're referring to in this were moved at a point in ancient Egyptian history because during the time after Ramses III, there were a number of incidents of tomb robbing. We think of tomb robbing as much more contemporary, but actually it was happening in ancient Egypt quite frequently. Well, because there's a lot of valuable stuff. <laughs> yeah, there, they right? put so yeah. much stuff in there. And the Valley of the Kings, it's patrolled at the entrances, but people don't really go into it that much. There are guards, but most of the difficulty is just getting into the tombs. They're sealed. There's giant rocks in the way. But they were robbed regularly. So a bunch of mummies were moved and kept in a I never know how to say this word. C A C H E, cache, cache. Uh, cache. They're kept. Uh, they're yeah. kept in a room together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you have like I believe Hatshepsut was in this cache also. Along like mummies from a huge range of time periods are all just sitting in this room together, which meant that Ramses the Third's mummy was right next to Pentuar's mummy. Right. So he's next to his son, mm-hmm. who maybe had a part in trying to, and successfully killing Mm -hmm. him. Yes. Now, according to ancient Egyptian beliefs, Pentuar, the reason he's called the screaming mummy is it looks like he's screaming. And so when he was first found, people believed that he had died in some very painful way. Uh, That's not, it's just how he dried. If you like leave a body, they will dry into a kind of grotesque screaming look. Yeah. But... 
he was only able to dry that way because he was not preserved. None of the preservatives that are put on other bodies were put on him. All he was was wrapped in a lambskin. Which, again, means like... That's insulting. Yeah, he's going to... That's not insulting. It's bad. That's rude. (laughs) Just not nice. Uh, It it makes him a servant in the afterlife. So he goes from... He drops significant status for the afterlife. The thing... Okay, so he is allowed to commit suicide. There was one punishment that I think Mm -hmm. only one person gets, which I thought was amazing, was uh, just reprimanded. (laughs) <laughs> there, was, there was one guy, I think it was, so this was, this one I found so cool, uh, uh-huh. cool, but very interesting, was that a lot of the women involved in the conspiracy tried to seduce the judges. Yes. Yeah. And some of and them. successfully. And successfully. <laughs> and then I think one of the judges was punished by just someone was like, hey, d- don't do that. <laughs> yeah. He was the lucky judge. Yeah. So... I, it's what it seems like is the women were all being held in a place. They seduced the judges and like went out on the town. Like they left the wherever they were being held, came back. The judges who weren't reprimanded, yeah. terrible time. Some yeah. were put to death. Yes. But then there's also a lot of just disfigurement in ancient yeah, Egypt. Yeah, noses and ears, right? Yeah, noses and ears are big. Uh, they, being they're removed. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they cut them up. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very grotesque trial because you imagine also today getting your nose and ears cut off is not great but in ancient egypt they don't have especially great what's the word for it antiseptic sure so you're you're not just you're getting infected yeah you might die from it yeah yeah and you will be ostracized from society so if you have that injury that's a sign that you've done something wrong and it's on your face. Yeah, it's a pretty good, yeah, it's a pretty good indicator. <laughs> it's just like a subtle clue. Oh, just, you know, sometimes it just that you are off. a criminal. <laughs> well, I th- we're getting or close. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to leprosy. Oh, okay. Um, like early leprosy, and so then we would have like features falling off. falling off. Yeah, but then they were also ostracized. And and again, it goes back to like, your body's mutilated. I mean, that's why it's obviously it's bad to lose your nose and ears. Yeah, anyway, it's not great. But it's also <laughs> for the afterlife. Your your body's you know, yeah. been hurt. Mm-hmm. So Ramses the third is killed, mm-hmm. but the plot isn't successful because Pentuar does not take the throne. Instead, Ramses the fourth from a different mother than T is the successor. Yes. So whatever happened, he's able to consolidate power and that's how he conducts these trials. Right. Ramses the fourth is conducting this large trial. Mm-hmm. One more thing about the papyrus and the trial, mm-hmm. when the names that they use, mm-hmm. they like rename the perpetrators, like Ra hates you or like, <laughs> yeah. like things. Ra being one of the, the, the biggest God, or I guess you it all it like, changes. Yeah. It depends right? on the time period, yeah. but yeah, Ra is one of the, one of the big ones. Yeah. He's, he's top five. I think, yeah. Amun was big at this time, but Ra, Ra's, Ra's never not there. Like Amun Ra, so yeah. the, Egyptians have famously thousands and thousands of gods. Yes, and sometimes they combine the two into like a super god. Type yeah, thing. yeah. I it's kind of hard to track because I think it was very political also because it's what temples were powerful at that point in time because the temples are not just places of worship; they're also immensely wealthy. And a lot of people would live there. And a lot of Pharaoh's children would become high priests or high priestesses. And how did you get interested in all the Egyptology stuff? Uh, I used to work at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I didn't work for the Met. I worked at the Met. And 
one of the things my company did was they built like a murder mystery game that me and another person wrote about Ramses the Third artifacts in the Met. So that means like guests would come in and do a series of steps kind of thing? Or? Yeah. So they kind of learn the story of Ramses through mm, like I'd make them find objects. I think the silliest thing I made them do, Ramses was a big fan of music. That's just one of the things we know based on the art that's on his tomb. And at his said Jubilee, there would have been a lot of music. So I think I made them write and perform a song for Ramses. Uh, they really give me a lot of leeway to do whatever I wanted. Um, so I would make them perform a song for me. Uh, that's not nice. acapella, I assume. They, uh, went, like... as they could use whatever would not make the guards mad. So <laughs> they, there was some clapping, there was some stomping. Uh, but besides that. And then this morphed into when we shut down for COVID, a much more in-depth Zoom murder mystery where there were puzzles, they were solving things, they would get clues. And the clues were essentially pieces of the judicial papyrus of Turin. And so this is like the ideal story for this, right? Yes, unless anybody listens to this podcast because uh, they will know the answer. Oh, so you're not, so in the murder mystery, you don't know. Oh, mystery. Okay, yeah. got it. It's, it the, they're essentially trying to figure out who killed Ramses III. Uh, which actually, I don't think we actually said that the murderers were the harem. The ones who actually killed him were these women. They all, they were able to get him alone, which they wouldn't have during normal times. And they cut his throat and cut off a toe because uh, they weren't, you know, great at weapons. And T, her involvement, she's kind of the main one because she's the only woman mentioned by name in the papyrus. Yes. We don't know what happened to her. We don't know what her punishment was. Probably, and in part because T is not her real name. So she might be one of the other great wives who are mentioned at other times. We just don't, we don't really know which person she was. We know that she wasn't the mother of Ramses IV. That was Taiti. But besides that, we have no information. The cool thing, they think now that, so Pentawar doesn't end great for him. T probably is executed and probably it's not a great execution uh, as far as those go. But she had other sons and they now think that one of her sons later became Ramses VIII. So she still got one on the throne. Oh, yeah. No, it all worked out perfectly for <laughs> yeah. her. Well, in any case, uh, Anna Bianco, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on a second time. And do you have anything to plug? Uh, just go to my Instagram. I post my show dates there. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 